Everything Sequel is brought to you by Slater's 5050 and Tua T Fitness. The Everything Sequel podcast contains explicit language, and I will not go to my room. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Singles 1990 edition, Troll 2 Today. My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. With me is my good friend and partner, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. And you can't piss on hospitality. I won't allow it. (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, what what a scene! What's, what a movie! What a movie! Even even better than that, there there was a brief moment after that line takes place where uh, the father who delivers the line uh, starts to remove his belt, um, and I, I really <laughs> thought he was going to piss over his own child, right? In in a kind of perverse um, version of the making a kid who's been caught smoking uh, down an entire pack of cigarettes. Yeah, that's the thing about this movie. You know, anything seems to be able to happen in your imagination. That's right. Grandpa. Every time Grandpa Seth comes in, he's got a new rule that completely changes the film. That complete, Yeah, that changes everything. Okay, <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, let's, let's get to it. Tom. Yes. We, we decided that for the calendar year of 1990, we were going to rank and declare good or bad for all the sequels, single sequels of that year. Yes. So if, dear listeners, if you've been listening to the previous podcast, you know that we ranked them without having seen Troll 2. It was a blind ranking. Blind ranking. Tom and I had the top two exactly the same. I said, we both said, rather, that Gremlins 2, the new batch, was going to be the best of the bunch. And that another 48 hours was going to be the second ba- uh, second best. We disagreed <laughs> after that. I said, I've seen the poster for Troll 2. I'm telling you, that's going to be the worst movie. I pick it below Young Guns 2. Tom said, no, 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 my friend. Troll 2 over Young Guns 2. Tom. Yes. Standing pat? <laughs> Disappointingly, no. Let me just say... Oh, I thought for sure you would stay pat because of how batshit crazy this movie yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, even though it's objectively it's worse. Yeah, I'm so I'm cha- I'm cha- first of all, I'm going to change my I'm going to change my uh good or bad to from good to bad. For this movie? And I take no pleasure in doing this, but they forced my hand <laughs> because I was hoping to put it there uh on the grounds of so bad it's good right right however as the as the movie unfolded i began to realize this is trying to be a comedy and is it though <laughs> That's... yeah i i do i think so i think i think it's trying to be a comedy and i think it is genuinely trying to do straight down the middle horror as well at right. times yeah so i'm going to i have to judge it on that level uh, and I just don't think there's enough that lands in either category, right. even though this film definitely has its moments. Oh, for sure. To put it over the the borderline into a good movie, and you know when when I when I think about uh, classifying a movie as so bad it's good, the filmmaking needs to be sublimely bad mm-hmm. for me to do that. And I just felt that the filmmaking here was kind of mildly incompetent in quite an irritating way. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, irritating. Like, it's just kind of bumbling in a way, you know, that that, that mystifies you as you're watching yeah, it. Yeah, so for all for all those reasons, I, I'm, I'm going... Uh, I'm going from good to bad. However, I would still put it above uh, Young Guns 2 because I had a better time. And, you know... For, for... Oh, see, I thought you were going to list it below Young Guns too. That's what I thought you were changing. So you're just changing. Good I'm changing bad. good to bad, but um, because it is, you know, batshit crazy, 
it's batshit crazy versus bland and uh that i will always rank batshit crazy top i don't find young guns 2 nearly as bland as you two i'm standing pat i i you know i'm sticking with my i'm not changing either you so you don't think it's a good it sounded like you 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 were at least a little um changed about the the good good bad, bad. I, I'm of like mind with okay. you. I, I find I find this movie delicious. Yes, it's it's a wonderful watch. I mean, for for three days now, for however long it's been since I watched it, I've been walking around saying, "Let me tell you a little something about a movie called Troll Two. You need to see this movie." To anyone and everyone, I, strangers on the street <laughs> wearing masks are running away from me. So I'm like, "Wait, just listen to me for a moment." Yeah, but. Like you said, objectively, it's just too messy. There's just too much bad for me to 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 climb into. This is so bad, it's good. Yeah, I think it's it's caught, but you know, it's caught between those two two posts of deliberate deliberate and unintentional irony. Too often, I right? Think. And I and, think you know, my notes are like almost. 50-50 split between look at how bad the quality control on this movie is versus that's a re- uh, versus like that's a really good comic bit I'll say that without any qualifications right so Agreed. it's like it, but it is it's you know I think I don't know especially with comedy but you need you need like a 75% landing to not landing ratio to even consider it as a good movie Okay, yeah, I would go with that. I hear what you're saying. So, and horror, and horror, I think is even probably even more. Yeah, correct. Because what scares you is is probably one of the hardest things to do on film. And this film does not do it. It doesn't scare me. It repulses me. That's where I was willing to give it some credit as a horror. I'll, movie, I'll go along with I you felt on that. Physically sick. It's it's at physically. In the movie. Yeah, it it does make you lurch. It makes you ooh. Yeah. So there's a lot of for those who haven't seen it, there's a lot of sour milk in this film. <laughs> right. There's a lot of sour milk and the least appetizing dessert treats you'll ever see in your life. Just I I'm sure we'll get into this, but what did they think that green right. icing was on everything that they were eating? Did because they, it mean... was even part of sandwiches. <laughs> did, I mean, you wouldn't just you wouldn't just ignore that if you were eating something. Right. When the kid's in the car with the sheriff, they try to cover it. He actually takes a bite. And he goes, oh, this is really good. Thanks, sheriff. <laughs> so they made, they present it as though we're not crazy. It does taste good. Although there is, there is a, and I think we'll get into this too, there is a kind of pro-junk food diatribe here. Oh, for which sure. Which makes me, makes me think like, well, Okay, you know, so, sorry, go ahead. Well, that they're actively trying to promote, you know, putting food coloring in everything. I think that's part of it. So I've got a, an entire list that I want to start with you, Tom Stewart. All right, let's let's do it. So tidbits into how this movie got made. Okay. And one of them is that the director's wife helped him write the script. And this script was her idea. And the idea was when the idea came to her when her friends became vegetarians. Oh, my God. So this explains a lot. Yeah, this explains a lot about this movie just right there. But in a... Do you know, do you know uh, I'll just I'll give you an insight into some of what I wrote during the viewing of this movie. I, I you know, I... I started off by saying, oh, this seems like uh, it's having a go of vegetarians. You know, thinking, that's a funny thing I could say on the podcast, get a cheap laugh. (laughs) Then about like an hour later, I'm like, no, I really think this movie is an attack on vegetarianism. (laughs) It's not. They find it not acceptable. When the villains are defeated with a bologna sandwich, I'm like, okay. There's no question anymore. <laughs> De- 
defeated with a bologna sandwich. Which, okay, no, I'm not even going to bring that up. We'll talk about that later because, yeah. you know, this magical backpack. Okay, that, uh, hang on. Everybody, hold, <laughs> hold, please. Just stick with us. Tom, in addition to this wife thing, all right, here are my notes as gathered from IMDb. For starters... This movie is called Troll 2. Yes. There is absolutely no connection to the movie Troll. I'm glad that you um, that you cleared that up because, uh, let me tell you, I started to do that research and I got about a paragraph into the synopsis <laughs> of Troll and I thought, you know what, Michael's probably going to do this. <laughs> because I, I, thought, I, I got thought, your I'm back. Gonna, like, if there is a connection, it's going to be like, I'm going to have to be, like, you know, uh, forensic to find oh, it. Oh, let me tell you, my friend, you do, because... Okay, so this movie has no connection to the movie Troll. So much so, there are no trolls in this movie. It's only goblins and a witch. Oh, good point. Right? The in- Yeah, they never call them trolls. No, they are not trolls. They are <laughs> goblins. They are goblins in the town of Nilbog. Try to de- Which is goblin try backwards. to decipher that one, ladies and gentlemen. Shouldn't be difficult. Um, okay, so you can only find that out if you're looking for your dead grandpa in a mirror, as we all do. As we all do. So, in addition, the entire cast of principal actors initially auditioned to be extras. <laughs> Explains a lot. The director, whose name is Claudio Vargasso, mm-hmm. but is listed on the credits of the movie itself as Drake Floyd, which I okay. which I imagine is Claudio's idea of a solid American name, Drake Floyd. Drake Floyd is the European Alan Smithy. Exactly. <laughs> so... Uh, this man, Claudio Vargasso, is an Italian, doesn't really, does not speak English, and writes poor English, but wrote the script. Right. So there's idiot, you know, there's just sort of, it, it's worded strangely, a lot of the words. And the American actors would say, hey, can I change this to this? Because it would sound like that in English. And he, he forbid it. No. Word for word. Is, is, is that why, is that why, um... The kid in the opening scene questions his grandpa's use of verbs. Probably. <laughs> it's not, you mean could, not can. Right. No, I mean I can. I mean can. That sounds, like, that sounds like they just transposed a conversation between the director and one of the actors into the script. <laughs> All right, hang on. I got a few more for you. The whole okay. movie was shot in three weeks. Says a lot. The actors were given scenes or given the script on a scene-by-scene basis, having no context for what happened before or after unless they already shot it. Got it. Not only was Claudio Vergasso Italian and didn't speak any English, the entire crew was Italian. Nobody spoke English, except Mm -hmm. the costume designer, Laura Gemser, who apparently was the star of the softcore porn Emmanuel series oh. at one point. But my favorite fact, Conan O'Brien is a big fan of this movie. That makes sense. Doesn't it? I mean, it's sort of his family history. <laughs> right? As he self-describes it often, <laughs> if, if you listen to his podcast, you know, they're all like feral animals. <laughs> trying to eat in his home in Boston, his mom would look at him and call him ham fat or <laughs> yeah, not his mom, I mean, somebody that, else. That's... His mom, his mom calls him pigeon pie, but somebody in oh, his family, I believe, very would call him ham fat. This is Co- this is Conan O'Brien's uh, biopic. So Conan O'Brien, call in, brother. Wow. Um... We'll do we'll do an addendum to this to this podcast that you, we'll ha- we'll 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 hash it out with you. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're invited. All right. W- warmly by telling you your family history is a horror story. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know where to start with that. I mean, there are a lot of famous actors in this movie. 
on the posters of the children's walls. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but the actual cast themselves are complete unknowns, and it doesn't surprise me to learn that they were first considered as extras. Right. I I gotta I gotta say it's pretty impressive for three weeks. Um, and you know they they really packed it in. This is not a uh slow movie by any means. No. Or a or a movie that feels like it's uh, incomplete or laborious. Agreed. It's just, well, um, let's talk about just how it starts. I mean, this movie, my note is, boy, does this movie ever fucking start. No credits, just a boy running in the forest <laughs> with narration. Boom. Are you giving me so ma- you giving me so many facts there, I just want to take a moment, okay? Uh, by all means. That is longer than this movie gives you before it starts. <laughs> that two-second gap there is longer. This is a what they invented what I'd like to term a hot, cold open. Right. It's a cold open, but it comes in hot. Nobody shouted action on that set. It just began. Yeah, it's like it's like the actors just started and Claudio Vergasa was like, holy shit, get the camera. Oh, man alive. Yeah, no, that's ex- I had exactly the same um, note. And the other thing that well, surprised me about how abruptly this movie begins is that, you know, most horror movies will give you, in the first, I don't know, quarter of an hour, will give you a glimpse of the monster. Right. Especially if they're trying to hide the fact that they don't look very good. <laughs> this movie has exactly the opposite philosophy. We see all of the monsters we see, that we will see in we the course see of the movie. We see real eyes. Running around. Real eyes behind the cut-out eyes of their masks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're just out there frolicking around. Well, that's the thing, too, is that... Essentially, what's happen- happening at the beginning of this movie is a group of ravenous goblins are chasing a young man who, by the way, that guy totally looks like one of the guys from Suits time traveled back to make this movie in 1990. I would swear it's a guy from Suits. But anyway, ravenous goblins are chasing this young, handsome man. And yet the music is. Yeah, it's it's a. It's it's like if if I close my eyes, I would immediately say game show. <laughs> yeah, right. It's definitely not horror movie music. No. And you know what? What's interesting about this section of the movie is it they're in, the 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 monsters of the movie are seem really fun. The he well in inverted commas hero of the movie. I'm with you. Who. Just, just by the by, is a time-stopping <laughs> ghost of uh, a dead grandpa right. who has complete access to all the 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 goblin mythology he needs to fight them uh, from somewhere. Of course, um, he now if those if those goblins turned up at my house, I would let them in, start frolicking with them immediately. If Grandpa Seth tried to come in my house, I would blow that motherfucker up. That guy, that is the scariest man. If he came, in movie history. right? If he came into your house, you would immediately call the woman from Poltergeist to make that house clear. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know if this is the if this is the kind of uh, this is the um. What do you call it? The subtext of the movie that Grandpa Seth is really the monster of this movie. <laughs> but, you know, there are not many grandfathers who would take a break from reading their grandson a bedtime story to tell him that all the wo- all the evil in the world is essentially nihilistic. And coming soon. Yes. To a bedroom <laughs> near you. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are barely getting started with Troll 2. And we gotta take a break, so stick with us, and we'll get into the meat of this meaty movie. But veggie, the vegetable, yeah, the, the, veg, the veggie meaty movie. All right, hang tight, everyone. We'll be right back. Look, people, we're living in strange times. We know that, don't we? Of course we do. People don't even know what to do with themselves. We're getting stir crazy. 
Well, get outside and get yourself some great food, I say. You need to go to Slater's 5050 and Point Loma's Liberty Station. It's time to treat yourself to booze, to beer, to burgers, and more. They have their full menu, people. Their full menu, I say. How many restaurants do you know that are doing that? Most places are doing a quarter of their menu, probably. Some might be doing a half. Maybe a few have got three quarters of a menu. But Slater's 5050 has their full menu, including their signature 5050 patty. It's half ground beef. It's half ground bacon. It's 100% delicious. What more could you possibly ask? Worried about social distancing? Well, it is in place, people. Tables are separated, and the staff will always be seen wearing masks. You're out of excuses. Get off your keister and come on down to Liberty Station's own Slater's 5050. Indoor dining available. Outdoor dining available. Bring the family. Bring your dog. Come enjoy the normal again. Good day to you. I said good day. And we're back. We're here talking about the 1990, I'm going to go ahead and say classic, Troll 2, <laughs> directed by Claudio Vargasso. Uh, Tom, this movie had a budget of $6 million, and I have no idea how much money this movie made. But I got to tell you, I don't see $6 million on the screen. It was all in 7-Eleven receipts. <laughs> and and then what re- what really broke the bank was the one trip they took to the erotic bakery. Correct. Uh. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so, you know, w- with a lot of our movies I assume that at some point, you know, listeners have have seen the movie, right? You you so, you'd hope, yeah. Yeah, usually we're talking about things. Oh yeah, I remember that now or that kind of thing. Now we're we're, you know, I highly recommend you go watch this movie listeners and then come back and listen to this. Yeah, I mean it, I suppose you can like reverse fever, it. This will sound like a fever dream if you haven't seen the movie. Right. So so for the sake of our listeners who haven't seen the movie cuz you could reverse it. They could they could listen to this first and it makes them want to watch it. Yeah. How would you, what's the plot of this movie? What's the what, plot of this movie? What happens? You know what well basically there's a uh, it starts with a a child who is being visited by a child of a nice suburban family visited by the ghost question mark of... Yeah, when I find out he's a ghost, my first question is, is this a story about a boy with dementia? This... <laughs> one, one, of the th- one of the things that really impressed me about this movie right out of the gate is it managed to do the twist from The Sixth Sense in the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> right. Years before The, the Sixth Sense yeah, comes out. Um, so, so, so this... Basically, it's a... Imagine... Here's how it's I a vacation it. movie, right? It's a vacation movie. It's like a literally nightmarish version of National Lampoon's Vacation. All right. So, Done. So there's a house swap. Between, there's a house swap, uh, right, which I think I found to be hilarious. Yeah, with a, with a family who were either creepy or just exhibiting the same kind of stilted acting that everyone has. It's difficult to tell. It's hard to tell if they're mentally disabled <laughs> murderers or bad actors now i'm not directly answering your question here michael but i'd like to take a moment to talk about the patriarch of the of our uh central family here um i am not sure (laughs) if this man has recently had a lobotomy (laughs) there is a scene in which he picks up a book about vegetables and it looks like this is the first time he has seen not just read seen a book in his entire life right he is making some very strange decisions uh maybe he's just a meat eater maybe he's leafing through it just like fucking vegetables <laughs> well that is yeah that is the subtext um so anyway so this fa- so there's a house swap between a, a family from a remote country town again question mark um and uh the suburbs somewhere um 
they're, the, the house swap's taking place, but the family that they're swapping with in the country do not leave, but they go to a local bar where lots right. of farmers hide uh, <laughs> throughout the day. <laughs> When appara- I mean, apparently, essentially, apparently, uh, farmers go to bed about two thirty in the afternoon, according to the father of, of the family. Correct. <laughs> Which I've I've always known to be true. You go to any farming town after about three in the afternoon, everyone's asleep. Everyone's dead asleep. It's nap time. <laughs> uh, but and they don't stay. And um, the 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 youngest child of the youngest male child of the family has already been forewarned through a sinisterly annotated bedtime story from his deceased grandfather who is reappearing to him that uh, goblins uh, exist that he tells them all the rules about the goblins which change on a scene by scene basis correct um they are shapeshifters that's a big one uh later we find out he yeah that is a big time. one uh, and then there's a magic stone which appears in the last quarter of the movie uh as as hitherto it undiscussed. felt very it felt very uh, Land of the Lost. Yes. I mean, I I thought a slea stack was going to come out between those rocks for sure. Every time Grandpa Seth appears, he has a new rule that needlessly complicates the movie. That's his job. Right. But essentially, boiled down to his essence, everyone, one family is supposed to be swapping houses with another family. They're, they travel to the town of Nilbog. Apparently, all the farmers in Nilbog, this is, I guess, how they lure people to this town is through house swaps mm. so that they can turn them into plants and eat them. Right. Correct? Yes. And they're all goblins, question mark. They're all goblins, question mark. And they're all cannibals, but vegetarians. Well, I think they're just fussy eaters. <laughs> Because you find out late, you later on in the movie that one of the rules that's exhibited earlier is you have to eat before you're eaten. So a lot of this movie is about right. the, the goblins uh, trying to feed the the people that they want to eat. And uh, and, and I thought that this that's was, to turn them into vegetables. Well, I thought this was some kind of like magical rule, right? I thought this was some sort of mystical thing. Um, like a spell or something. Eat before you. It sounds like a kind of eat before you're eaten. A kind of like that's the only way that that this process works. Turns out it's just about breaking the meat down so it's nicer to eat. Like they could eat them at any time. They just choose not to because it tastes better when they eat the food. They eat. Uh... Is that it though? Is it really that it tastes better? It's hard. Like I don't think the movie makes this very clear. Well, that well that's it. I mean, I I was under the impression that it was just you know it was just a ran you know like everything else in this movie was just a, a randomly expressed world rule that had no logic behind it. But as the but in the final quarter of the movie, I'm sure someone says, look, we're, we're just going to wait to eat you because it tastes better. We could take you now. Otherwise, what's the threat? Yeah. Because it would just be like, okay, we won't eat and we'll leave. Well, it just... And, and the thing that's really confusing to me about this movie... <laughs> like, there's one thing. <laughs> so, but, 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 you know, these goblins are luring people into their town. Is this is this literally the only... They made it seem like... It's like they're having a hard time getting the nutrients that they need yeah. or something. There's Wasn't there something to that yeah, in this absolutely. movie of... You know, I, I just... Like, how many people do you... Vitamin D Do you trick into... Yeah, like how many people do you trick into coming to the town of Nilbog? Um, to house swap into, like if I, there, you know, computers weren't like they were today. But you know, how did this happen? Did he open up a newspaper and he's like, "Look at this picture of this dirty, shitty farm. Let's go there for vacation, everyone." Well, I mean, that is not uncharacteristic of the of the dad of this family. That's true. <laughs> it, see, it seems like There's his, goal, a lot of... his overarching, overarching goal is to historically enslave his family in some kind of Amish uh, utopia in his mind. Yeah, I mean, and and also, I mean, 
bad decisions abound with this dad because you have this whole kind of a subplot about his daughter and the boyfriend. Uh, her, her playboy uh, boyfriend, as, right. as the and, dad and wrongly says so, about him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and I, I love that when they leave for this vacation... And it, by the way, has not been set up in advance that the boyfriend's coming. Oh, but, I mean. But dad is upset at his daughter, not saying, not saying to her, of course, your 15 year old boyfriend can't come with us on our vacation, sleeping in the same bedroom with you or whatever was clearly her plan. He's upset because he had to wait an hour and a half for him to show up after learning, I assume, in the morning that she wanted him to come. This problem, this movie has a real problem with establishing uh, story. I mean, this, right. this bleeds into the, the filmmaking itself. In that scene that you're describing where they're driving to Nilbog. At one, p- one <laughs> the scene. I think scene, I know where you're begins, going. Go ahead. The scene begins with the father <laughs> castigating his daughter for you know, Correct. like we waited right. an hour and a half for your uh, for your boyfriend, um, you know, and who I should not be allowing on this trip. And then uh, the the mother says, "Shut up, you two. We have only seen that one person is in the back of this car." <laughs> And then suddenly it's like, oh, there are two people in the back. I mean, I assume that was the case, but there's no visual evidence that that is. But there's no, right. There's no establishing shot to tell you as the audience member. So maybe maybe that is is a a general problem here of where, I mean, maybe maybe it is the case that, that, you know, uh, they had a narcoleptic editor who just kind of woke up two seconds into each scene. (laughs) <laughs> oh Jesus! I better. Uh, it's like I'm sure, I'm sure I included that shot. It'll be. But fine. I thought, I thought, I thought what you were going to say was because right after castigating the daughter, they're driving down the road, and the the son says stop, yeah. and he gets out of the minivan and runs down the road to who he thinks is his grandfather, but who in reality is a homeless man. Right. The parents never get out of the car and say, get away from that man. They they just (laughs) wait for him to realize it's not his grandfather. And they're like, what are you doing? Well, I I would give that kid a break because that homeless man really looks like Grandpa Seth. And this kid has just lost his grandfather. (laughs) No, but my point, but my point is the parents who can plainly see it's a homeless man. They don't get, they're not worried. They don't get out of the car. They, They don't go get their boy away from a dangerous weirdo yes they're just like can we go now get back in the car yeah i mean they're bad parents these two uh yeah they 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 really are and it it makes it hard for you to um for you to want them to survive (laughs) right and i forgot about something i have a note here because within the scope of our story we're starting to skip ahead but the night before they leave the boyfriend sneaks into the house in a really weird scene. By oh the way. my like, god! The young, the young girl's working out. She must be fourteen or fifteen. We have the it's, camera. It's a tra- she it begins with a training montage with no stakes. Yeah, with no stakes, but like fourteen-year-old girl clearly being sexualized by Claudio Vargaso's camera. Yeah. It's like sweaty chest, legs, pumping iron. it's just it's really uncomfortable and then the boyfriend shows up she's mad at him and he says something stupid and she hits him right in the nuts Mm -hmm. and his question is are you trying to turn me into a homo as if getting hit in the that's the causation of it yeah to to me i i noted that 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 scene was like two characters from Waiting for Guffman doing an audition piece <laughs> of for Nightmare on Elm uh, from Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know oh you know what God. really saves that scene? I mean and also the, the the daughter is looking at cue cards the entire time. 
you know, which, right. which speaks to your note about them getting getting a script on a scene by scene basis. She's just re- straight right. reading this off screen. It's the kind of it's like it's SNL, so you know, when they have the because they're angled right. they're, they're angled it just the way that they can see cue cards. I, <laughs> I made a note that it's really strange to watch a movie in which your the feeling you have is when you go to a youth play that's not particularly good. Absolutely. That's what it felt like. When we get later on in the movie when we get to the meet, the town meeting house. Right. Uh this building is being used as a community theater where they are currently mm-hmm. performing a production of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It it would appear so. Um <laughs> you know I I I think But it's, it's the kind of acting, it's the kind of acting where you hear, you know, da- whatever the daughter saying things like I don't know what you're talking about. My dad's not going to like that, and you're you're, you're patient as as much as you can be. <laughs> it's it's all it's not, but, and but yet it's like alluring. It you you find yourself kind of leaning forward at a certain point. It's it's mesmerizing. It's not a good sign when the the mother um, forgets her lines in the middle of a scene, very early on in the movie, and they just carry on. They just <laughs> leave it in the film. <laughs> they just leave um, it. And then the, the the cue cards. What? That's the take. That wait. That's the take they kept. That's the take they kept. But you, <laughs> what what struck me about about the acting and um, I, I the, yeah the 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 community theater thing is, is very clear. I think if Carl Reiner had seen the set of that um, meeting house, uh, if they had made that for him for the man with two brains, he'd be like, nope, too broad. Um, but in terms of the acting, uh, what really struck me is, you know, just how awful some of the acting is. Uh, but I was actually, there was a two or three performances. Well, no more than that, that I'm, I was really impressed with (laughs) the, the, the unevenness really struck me that that, there can be people so awful. And yet other, I mean, the kid in this movie is very compelling to watch. He is completely. He, I mean, I have never seen an actor of his age hit his marks as well. I mean, it 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 it, it comes across more strongly because everyone else is missing their marks, and every time anyone moves on camera, <laughs> right. it's to put another actor on their mark or in better light. But still, you know, you um, there's a there's a preacher character who comes in about three quarters. That's who I was gonna say. I find him very compelling. He gives an extraordinary performance. Um, and you know, you know who I really like, and this might be controversial. Um, the boyfriend's three friends. Yes. I think that really works because the whole point of them is they they are supposed to be annoying the friends... in three entirely different ways. Right. Done. But the friends. <laughs> Are the best actors maybe in this movie? They're really good. I mean, one. I mean, you know, what do you expect? One of them is Jack McBrayer, but um. <laughs> so that's already a high quality of performance. No, I loved. I loved that. I mean, and this scene, what we're talking about, is where they first appear at the window in a classic, you know, Three Stooges style, popping up at the window at the same Completely. time. Completely, right. So it's that it's that uneven, and that's true with the filmmaking quality as well. Like sometimes I think, you know, I think about how god awful, or I guess godli- <laughs> goblin awful, um, the 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 little dwarf goblins look, and their masks. Yeah. And then when you get to some of the prosthetics that they use when Arnold is turned into a plant, I'm like, that's not bad. Yeah, that looks pretty that good. That looks pretty good, uh, especially in comparison to. Um, and also, there's a sliding scale of how bad those goblins look. It goes from like yes, there are, yeah, you're right, awful to just middling garbage, you know, like just yeah, yeah. papier mâché rotting in the cellar. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, we're gonna take another break. Uh, stick with us. We're coming back. We're gonna finish out this movie. I'm going to, I'm going to sing you out, audience. I'm going to sing you out to uh, the moms. She at one point says, kids, sing that song I like. And they all start singing, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, merrily, merrily. Well, it is public domain. (laughs) We'll be right back after this. 
Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out To A T Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. To A T Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we're back. We're here talking about Troll 2, Tom and I. We just got done. Well, I think, Tom, we essentially, we, we've kind of covered the basic plot of the movie, how this family gets to the town. If we haven't mentioned it already, the boyfriend with the three friends, they end up following the family and their RV breaks down, right? That is correct, yeah. And then we get into what I like to describe as the fucking shit of this movie. <laughs> and I mean that in I I don't know it's been pretty <laughs> it's been pretty wild so far. I mean that in the best possible way. First of all, before we before we get that, no, I don't want to hold us up, but can I just talk about when the kid falls asleep in the car and has what is clearly a dream oh, yeah. because it's too early in the movie to be the big thing. To be anything but else, right. They do not hold back on the body horror and visceral terror of what this kid is dreaming about happening to him. Not even a little bit. They just, they're just like, we're basically going to do the, like, denouement of this movie as a dream sequence in the first 50 minutes. It's unsettling. And it works, you know, it, wor- <laughs> out of, it works. It's, if, if they could, if <laughs> it works better it than is, the actual it, denouement of the movie. Right. It <laughs> is actually probably the scariest thing in the movie. 100%, yeah. And again, that kid is selling it. In a way that right. he's not allowed to later because he's holding a bologna sandwich. So and, and so you have that, but but <laughs> bologna. <laughs> We're not there yet. Hang on, because what I want to talk about is when they finally get into the house, they're seeing what to them looks like delicious treats. Right. But I would, to, to, I would, feel... it, which it would to a lobotomy victim. Yeah, I, I mean, I would feel alarmed if I walked into a house and there were cakes it all looked like it'd been sitting there for hours waiting for them oh yeah it seems yeah it just looks like something you should be wary of yeah but so but the magic of that see first of all you have this i mean i'm talking tom stewart i'm talking what 30 45 seconds full 30 45 seconds of them slowly walking around the table, looking at, oh my goodness, all these treats. Yes, when when in the next scene, uh, Grandpa Seth uh, decides, well, suddenly tells us that he can stop time. Um, you don't really <laughs> see much of a difference. Well, and that's the thing. So, okay, listeners, what happens is they have the treats are out, left by the farmers. But if they eat them, they're going to turn into plants so that the goblins can eat them. Spoiler alert, the farmers are goblins. Yeah. Then, then what's his name? Grandpa who? Grandpa Seth. Seth. I keep wanting real, to say monster, monster for some reason. Movie. Yeah. Uh, Grandpa stops time. Yeah. The boy wastes the he said because he says i can only stop time for 30 seconds <laughs> they, in they my mind grandpa seth can stop time and then it turns out that he didn't need to do that after all right in my mind i'm like i just keep saying grab all the food and throw it out child instead but, he just walks around the table and then everybody wakes up to him saying i gotta do it pulling down the zipper pissing on the food strong choice a strong choice and, and, you know, full comic effect because we don't see it happening. Yeah. 
we just see the aftermath where he's being punished for, uh, you know, and, and being and a dick. Described verbally, you know, with the, with our opening line from this episode, uh, you can't piss on hospitality. Uh, right. I won't allow right. it. Um, I, in fact, if anything, in that period where time has stopped, more has happened than in the in the rest of the scene. Correct. Because you can actually see, I don't know if you noted this, but the when time is paused, the dad is holding a glass of juice to his mouth, mm-hmm. and you can see actively bubbles appearing from his breath. Yeah. While he's doing that. Right. Also, this creates problems later when we're repeatedly told that this family have not eaten for two days. Okay, and bear in mind the daughter is frozen right. in time with a corn cob in her mouth. Indeed. So this is like this is the continuity error waiting to happen. Corn corn is huge in this movie. Yeah, I mean, um it is <laughs> there is a sex there's scene a sex, based around corn. There's a the sexy movie. yeah, there's a sexy corn cob dance in this Which, movie. That was one of the moments where I thought Followed by erotic Popcorn humping is the only way I can describe this it. This movie is great at making cinematic lemonade out of what are essentially grocery store buys. <laughs> well, like you said, 7-Eleven trips. Yeah. So sour milk, corn cobs, popcorn. I mean, yeah, like I don't know how this amounts to six million, but um, they everything that you need to make this movie terrifying or funny or, you know, when it when it registers is is all can all be bought from the grocery store it's very it's a very thrifty kind of horror yeah but it is and you know like the 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 slime in this movie which plays a big part this green slime it's the least scary thing in and of itself right so many people have seen retching this slime mm-hmm. it's seen pouring out of every fucking orifice of pour of pores on their heads yeah they're it's sw- like they're sweating it's like it. In context, it becomes scary. It becomes, well, no, I wouldn't say scary. It becomes disgusting. Right. And that, you know, that is the job of, it's like, you know, they, the metaphor of turning a corn cob into popcorn. And but, so, by the way, everyone, this is the shit you're seeing in this movie, but it also at times will be followed by lines. I can't even remember who says this, Tom. I think it's the little boy who at one point says, there must be a logical reason for all this. At one point as well, when they arrive at the house... Wait, logic? Not a part of this movie at all. Go on. Uh, this, Yeah, but the, the, the movie has these kind of like, almost like spasms of logic. At one point, uh, the uh, Grandpa Seth is... Uh, he summon, he's summoned by the kid, and he doesn't turn up straight away. And the kid's like, where were you? And he's like, I haven't got used to the layout of this house yet. That's right. It's like, we have this insight into the logistical yeah, things nightmare are a little, of haunting Things are a little janky like, here. Oh, no, we're appearing in the wrong room. <laughs> I mean... Um, well, that's exactly what happened to me when he said that. I kept imagining him appearing in other mirrors and going, oh, nope, not here. But also, also when when they first arrive at the house, I think the kid says something along the lines of, um, uh, "I don't like this at all." Yeah, no question. Of course, why would you? You just had a you just had the worst ever nightmare that you will ever have in your life. Ever. <laughs> there's there's a lot there's a lot of that kind of shit in this movie when the boyfriend and his friends are broken down, and then one of them sees this beautiful girl. So he starts chasing her. The, yeah, <laughs> this woman runs. He starts chasing her. He tackles her to the ground. They get up, see a charging herd of goblins, which does not phase him. No. He he's just sort of like, hmm. But the girl convinces him, let's fucking get out of here. They start running again. He gets what I can only describe as part triton part javelin thrown into his chest from 50 for, yards away for everyone away. listening mike is describing this accurately the fault is not on our side no yeah this is exactly <laughs> as it happens everything about that scene oh i i, I mean it is not okay even it's in pure a teen magic. sex comedy which this is not to chase a woman <laughs> down flatten her a stranger. And then ask her name. 
And I, uh, uh, the I'm going full Bubba Smith. I'm going full Bubba Smith on this chick. Kabow! What's I, your name? Uh, this is like the my favorite of the friends who I, I like all of them, but Arnold is the favorite of my friends. Me too. First of all, the fact that, that like basically, I I get where Arnold's coming from when he's not phased because he's just assuming that this is a bunch of dwarfs in costume running around because that's exactly what they because that's like. what it is and then not scary remember grandpa seth is is the only terrifying threat in this movie at all um and then he when he screams when that um implement falls it uh, uh, goes in him it's heard in the rv and no that's <laughs> hang on yeah no he they and they say that yeah, wasn't the no. scream of a woman that was Arnold. Right. And I'm yeah. like, that is a generous assessment and, and of it, how shrill that sound was. <laughs> right. And they feel, it feels like they're miles away. And they get he gets the javelin. I can't remember. Does the javelin stay stuck or does he pull it out? Yeah, they pull it out. Okay. He seems... Pulls it out and then runs to, objectively, the strangest fucking church I've ever seen in my life. This is the meeting house you're talking about? No. The witch's house, where the stone is. Okay, right, got it. And he and the girl run up there. They meet, we, I th- I can't remember if this is the first time we're meeting the witch or not. Yeah, oh, definitely. Okay, and... An, an early screen performance she, from post-Tim Burton, Helena Bonham Carter. This is this is a performance. The witch performance to me is, it does go so bad it's good, for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's. it's I love her. Like, Im- I imagine love imagine her. Little Shop of Horrors, without music, and without the production values of Roger Corman. <laughs> right. You basically got what is going on inside this witch's castle. Oh yeah, she she is. She's awful. She's this like, it, it's like if you imagine going back to a previous movie we did in this series. If you imagine, uh, what was the name of the 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 female boss in Gremlins Two? What was her name? Tanya or something like that. The redhead with oh, glasses. I just think of her as Caroline from Sixteen Candles. But, okay, Caroline from Sixteen <laughs> Candles uh, played exactly the same, but with no deliberate choices <laughs> yeah right right absolutely it's it's insane and yeah and she I mean, is the one that... by the way she is the one who does the sexy corn cob dance yeah which i mean up until the point where the the corn start i mean i gotta say she's up against it acting wise in that scene first of all there's too much music then no music at all <laughs> right. um but even in that scene, I was like, I uh, there is no sex scene in cinema that I have been less aroused by ever than this one, uh, and it's almost as if you know, I'm I'm like, it's not that she's not attractive, or that the concept of like being seduced by a like a witchy woman isn't a sexy one, so I'm like, sure. So what's missing here? And I'm like, we've oh, yeah, all everything. thought about it. We've all thought about it. Let's be clear. <laughs> Apparently, just, I have because it, just, it just rolled off my tongue. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but it never involved corn. Yeah, and then they save it by probably the best visual gag in the movie, which is uh, they start eating corn cobs, and then it's so steamy apparently that the corn right. turns into popcorn, which is great. And but but that one corn on the cob fills up that entire fucking RV with popcorn. Right. Well, you know, that's six million dollars worth of popcorn there, Mike. You saw sure. you saw the budget. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to tell you, I mean we're we're basically getting to the end. They're they're at the witch's house, there's a stone in the house. At one point she says, Lord of the Magical Rock. Yeah. There's some sort of there's some sort of connection between the rock and magic, and this is where our heroes all have to go to destroy the rock, I guess. Well, but this, Grandpa... I mean, Gr- Grandpa Seth comes in as, as well, and he's right. like, "Come on, you got to get the magic stone," uh, as if, <laughs> as if this is something that has been discussed before. 
before ever at all. But my favorite thing is, so he gives him this backpack, right? He gives the boy a backpack. He says to him. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the magic backpack. The magic backpack. So I had so much forgotten about the backpack that when the boy takes out the bologna sandwich to win the day, I wrote down, where the fuck did he get that sandwich? And then I looked at my note above it. I was uh, that said, "Is that a magic backpack?" Well, you know, you don't so you gra- don't just introduce <laughs> a magic bologna sandwich. It needs to be encased in something that will preserve right. the mystery of this holy item. But <laughs> but the best part about the magic backpack is that Grandpa doesn't explain to him what's in it. He just hands him the magic backpack and says. Only take out the contents when you need them. Do you understand? And the boy nods his head. Yes, I wanted him to, so desperately just to say, nope. Well, we he, he I learned, don't have a fucking clue what you're talking about. He learned very early on in this movie that you do not question Grandpa Seth. Um, True. The entire first scene of this movie is... Uh, and you know, and and I, uh, this is a situation that I'm familiar with. Uh, reading a child a bedtime story, and they keep interrupting. And Grandpa right. Seth is telling the kid things. He's got a lot of notes. He's got, you know, they transpose the notes on the first draft of the script into dialogue that's coming out of his mouth. Uh, he's questioning <laughs> everything, as as indeed are we. Um, and every question he asks, he basically gets the same answer, which is, "What I said was what I said." Yeah, right, exactly. These are the rules of the world. I will give you a new one about every 20 minutes. <laughs> so Don't you the listen? He knows by now he's like, if Grandpa Seth is saying magic backpack, I'm not going to say I'm not going to talk back to him and say, "Oh, I better not fucking question it." In fact, in that scene, the kid is actually quoted as saying, uh, "Okay, I won't interrupt you anymore." Yeah, he does. So, you You're know, right. that's one of the areas in which this, this movie's fairly consistent. I think it's like he he learns at this point. And by the way, as a parent, I a parent with a young child, I am taking Grandpa Seth's advice to heart. Next, <laughs> next time my kid asks me a question about the book, I'll be like, I just said it. No questions. These are the rules. <laughs> and hopefully he'll respond, okay, I won't interrupt you anymore. Yes. I'm sure that will not yield the necessity of therapy. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I feel like I need therapy after watching this movie. This movie was actually triggering for me. This is a minor thing, but do you remember at the very beginning of the movie when the boy's talking to Grandpa and there is behind him an NBA basketball lamp? (laughs) Not specifically, but yes. Well, I had that lamp when I was a kid. And it used to be in my room that I shared with my younger brother. And then at one point we put it in the office room and I have a clear vision of us playing sock tag one night, which is just, you know, a rolled up ball of socks and you are it when it is beamed at you. Patent pending. So, yeah, we just (laughs) trademark back off, back the fuck off. (laughs) We're chasing each other all over the house. I threw this sock at my younger brother. I believe he ducked and dodged. He went over, picked it up, started chasing me. I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Which doesn't make the rules of the game very clear because I didn't I didn't even hit him. And yet he somehow magically was still it. But <laughs> at any did rate, Grandpa Seth suddenly appear and say, OK, rule change. He did not. He did not. But in the ruckus, we apparently had managed to knock that NBA lamp over and it started a fire that we did not know about that my parents came home to when we were in bed asleep. Not like a like not like the wall was on fire or anything, but like the the lamp itself was on fire and it had knocked over into, I don't know, a basket with some papers or something. And. It was on the lamp itself like the shade was on fire. And so please, our parents, please tell me you pissed on this fire too. I, I wish I had. I didn't even know. Our parents came home and put out the world's smallest fire. And then, of course, we woke up to, kids, could you come over here? What the fuck is this? <laughs> it was the burnt lamp. <laughs> Whoa. So this movie was triggering. I, I get that. Wow. Thank you for, Just for sharing saying. that.
I also have a note here. I'm trying to think of what it refers to. I think I do know. There's a moment where the boy tells him they all have to touch the rock. (laughs) Yes. In order to destroy everything, or the rock itself, I guess it is. He says, we need the power of goodness. (laughs) And I remember thinking, one person in this family, it probably should be the little boy, should be looking at his parents and everybody and just say, oh, we're fucked. Yeah. (laughs) If we need the power of goodness, we're completely screwed. I I do, I mean... It's unlikely in the production circumstances of this film that they had time for subtext, but so <laughs> but I'm happy to impose one on, which is that that uh, this this fa- you know this the 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 goblins are the heroes and the and the family are the villains. From Gra- Grandpa Seth at one point, and my one of my one of my main motivations for thinking this is at one point the preacher says very clearly to Grandpa Seth, "Go to hell." And the movie right. does not dispute this. Right. And it makes total sense that Grandpa Seth is coming back Because he's from a hell. piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it explains why he's, you know, knows so much about evil. And why he is evil. And why he commits worse acts than the monsters in this movie. It's as though he went to hell and Satan said, read this. It's about goblins. Yeah. um it's but in in the strange choice category the last minute of this movie well in the last minutes when they finally get home yeah they get to their own home they've been through the worst ordeal possible and the father says i gotta go to the office for a second right i mean what the fuck yeah and again reading on a subtextual level the father is learning disabled so (laughs) i think you just have to accept that he you know it's a i don't believe he has a job no i don't b i can't imagine he's competent enough to be needed right now c I, I, I can almost buy he has to go in for the weekend only if it's something he already screwed up Right, yeah, exactly. He, they also something that that struck me when they get home. I mean, there's a lot, but one of the things that, um, none of these characters have eaten in the entire movie time that this movie Ever. takes place. Right. That's what we're asked to believe. I mean, we've also seen them digging into corn cobs, but so, right. yeah, I, don't, I don't know who to believe. But they should be malnourished. But they've had very, very little. Um, so a, a couple of things. One is like, you. I mean, you. What you can survive for seven days, like without I food, believe something that's... like that. But after right. two, you're not going to be able to do things like driving long distances. No, certainly not without irritability, and rearing its ugly head. Um. Second of all, the first choice of a food to eat is apples. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's going to take care of that itch. Yeah. Do you know, I don't Mom's, think that's going to scratch that itch. Mom's sitting there eating apples and trying to convince the son to eat apples. And he's, eh, I'm fine. Oh, yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about that. He, he goes, no, I'm, I'm good. It's like, yeah, yeah, you haven't eaten for 48 hours. You and haven't you're good, eaten, of course. In days. Wow. Also... So, mom dies at the end? She must, because I have a note here that says, mom's dead tits. Are you you reading from, like, the first draft of the script? Is that, like, an editor's (laughs) note? Mom dies at the end, question mark? But I do remember, I remember goblins coming back and the boy running around the house. Yeah. Well, then I vaguely, I vaguely remember just a shot going over a dead body and there's sort of a shirt over it, but it's like it lingers on the boobs and i just thought well they, they italian I mean, bastard they, bought a, they all bought a boob cake from the erotic bakery <laughs> and uh you know and, and, and luckily there was a there was like 15 bottles of sour milk there too from the bakery and they're like okay great you got you gotta have your sour milk yeah this is the the central thread of the of, of the horror i i mean 
this that is, might be a this t-shirt. Is kind of in horror, t- if we put this in horror terms, right? The the we've had the denouement. We've had the you know the 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 uh, the monster has been disappeared. Well, I don't know what the monster has been removed. The thread has been removed. Sort of. So in horror terms, this is like the final scare where we get one last moment right. where the monster comes back. Um. After we think everything has calmed down, right? You know, we've seen that in Correct. Friday the Thirteenth, right. in Nine every Street. movie. Yes, it's a trope. Yeah, this is less of a final scare, more a continuation of bad stuff that's happened in right? the movie. Yeah, it, in every other scene. If the story is starting all over again, and you just think, "No, motherfuckers, I am checked out." Yeah, done. And you know, and again, it's like along with the line. I'm Sheriff Gene Freak. <laughs> the the I think you know it's like basically this movie has a punchline. What's which is, do you want some of your mother or what? What is the pun? What is the final line of the movie? I don't remember. <laughs> it's something like it's something like do you want some kid or like so basically. But it's a goblin, right? Well, they're all goblins. I don't know. I I mean, but it's a goblin you saying tell it. Tell me how they got there. And if they can get there, why do they need to bring people to them? I tell you what, listeners, why don't you tell us how they got there? How, I, <laughs> hashtag, you're gonna have, how did the goblins get there? Yeah, you're going to have to watch and you tell us. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's Troll 2, all about goblins. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's nothing but pure unadulterated shitty magic unless you're a sound editor in which i would say this comes with a trigger warning (laughs) you don't record don't record adr when the sounds that are on screen are louder than the voice you're recording that's just a general rule good advice a little just put it in the background of your thoughts. Yeah. When you, you know, so... start a scene, have a beginning. <laughs> we can't we can't do anymore, Tom. We've done all we can for Troll 2, okay? All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Troll 2. I, I I'm mesmerized by how much I enjoyed having to watch this movie. Check it out. Tell us what you think. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram, Twitter. Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. Tom, say goodbye. Uh, uh, I'm trying to say goodbye backwards. Eberboog. Eberboog. It's almost like Nyborg. Good job. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>